All right, guys, we are winding down here. Day eight, Great American Outdoor Show 2019, brought to you by the NRA. I cannot believe it's day eight already. We just started it. Come on, man. Man. I I have not been here as much as others, but I've been here a lot. And it just flew by, though. I agree. Uh, I'm tired, but it flew by. Guys, I'm not near as wore out as I thought I would be at this point in the game. And I'm ready to finish strong these next two days. I really am. We uh, we got another good day today. We're going to kick the day off talking with the NRA. Uh, We got some pretty slick videos uh, that are working. Man, we've got so much content. Content that we haven't. Even been able we to have some stuff that yet. we're holding close to the vest that yeah. we might show later. Yeah, it's so. it's tough. It's tough. It's been yeah. a, it's been a great week again. Thank you, NRA. Thanks everyone for following along with I us. I really appreciate everybody we've talked to because they've been open and willing to give up their time because this is a consumer show. Yes, yes it yes. is. They are here to make They're here money. to sell. And they have good deals. They are working with their customers, and we are kind of taking up their time that they can't talk to customers. And yep. I appreciate them taking their time. Yep, absolutely. I've I've been fortunate to to have focused on the uh, outfitters more this yeah. year, mm-hmm. and I've enjoyed that this year instead of the products. I, personally, that's where I've been. And, right. and I loved the episode with the uh, folks from Argentina. Oh my gosh. Dude, that made me want to just oh. hop on a plane and get down. But did he? I'm taking you by that booth, Stevie. Oh, you'll, you'll, uh, yeah. We'll be booking yeah. a trip, bud. Did, did I hear him say somebody shot 7,500 ducks in one day? I think it was, I think Dove. it would have been doves. Doves. But doves. Yeah. 5,700 and 500, 5,575 in one day. Is that what it was? Something Something like like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, Like, how many times do you have to pull the trigger for that? Well, I don't know. It depends on who the shooter is, Stevie. Yeah. Like if he was me, a world, cl- I would imagine he's like a world class wing shooter from England, yeah. where it's very serious. So he was probably pretty good. My goodness, well, I would love to to even make the attempt to shoot. But anyways, yeah, but that was perfect, a CNC yeah. outfit. Like three, three box miser over here. Oh man, yeah, th- three box miser for two ducks. <laughs> so shoot. so again, this is day eight. Day eight. It's flown by. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this, it's probably Sunday, and you only have today, which is come back for free day. Welcome. Mm-hmm. If you have a ticket, mm-hmm. if you came during the week, you can come back on Sunday for free. We thank the NRA for that great deal. And let's get out on the showroom floor, guys, All and right, have guys. some fun. Let's, let's go hit it. it hard, guys. Day eight. It's been a long week. Great American Outdoor Show. We are privileged to have with us now the NRA's School Shield Program Director, Sheila Brantley. Sheila, how are you? Welcome. I'm doing great, guys. Thank you so much for meet, meeting with me and visiting with me today. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. This is uh, a really, the, the more I learn about this program uh, that the NRA puts together, the more I appreciate it, the more uh, impressed that I, I am with it, uh, with the School Shield program. Can you give us a little um, overview of, of what that all encompasses? Yeah, absolutely. The program, you know, as an organization, we're very, very proud to be able to offer something like this because there's not a lot of folks, when you hear a lot of times about tragedies that are in different communities across mm-hmm. the country, and especially with our children in our schools, uh, a lot of folks call to action. We must do something. We have to do something. We can't let this happen again. But what the NRA did is said, we are going to do something about this. Yeah. We are going to offer resources. So School Shield came about after the tragedy at Sandy Hook uh, when everyone said, this can't happen again. These children right. yeah. uh, should be able to learn in a safe environment. 
And what we did is we had a task force of security experts, a lot of them with Homeland Security, a lot of uh, federal and even local law enforcement, as well as uh, teaching staff and school administrators, and trying to determine what were the vulnerabilities in our schools, what were best practices as well. Yeah. Uh, a report was published in, I think it was 2013, actually, in uh, the springtime, and it's available still online, 225 pages of findings and recommendations, and from that, we took it and we built this program. So wow. we educate folks on what, what it means to have a secure environment, what it means to have a secure campus. We offer a training free of charge, it's free to attend, free to host, uh, and it's all about doing these vulnerability assessments. So what are we doing right to make yeah. our schools safe and secure, and what are areas that we can improve? Yeah, so yes. what does a, a, vulnerabil a vulnerability assessment, boy, that's a What does that consist of? Yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> it's My a goodness. great, great question, and I think it's one of the challenges that we have out there these days is because a lot of people hear that, and exactly like you just said, what is it? Yeah. What, what am I going to be looking for? So it's looking at the way that we, we teach folks is you go from the outermost perimeter of that campus and you work your way in and what you're doing is you're looking for what should be multiple redundant layers of protection. So what if a threat were to materialize, mm -hmm. what is the earliest spot that we could detect that threat and delay it to allow for an appropriate response? So you may have access control measures. You may see things like a perimeter fence. Uh, you may have locked doors at your building entrances. You may have areas where they have to buzz in by the front entrance staff and all of these are layers of protection that'll be in place. Video monitoring. I'm, yeah, I, I'm absolutely. Assuming, especially with technology getting yes. the way, what, where it is today. Yes. I mean, small, remote, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth. Right. You name it. Well, and even think about our homes, right? So a lot of personal homes now have security systems right. in place. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's one of the things that when they first announced this program, we have all of these layers of protection in every other part of our lives. Yeah. We have security here at the Great American Outdoor Show. Yeah. Yes. But our schools are wide open, and that's just unacceptable. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the training that the NRA offers, how does that work? Does a... Mm -hmm. uh, a trainer come to the school? Does a trainer come to a, a parent's homes? Or does the school yeah. come down to a facility? How, yeah, how? no, it's a, it's a really great question. So what we do is we have uh, folks that reach out to us and they say, I want a training. We say, yeah. okay, great. What we want is we want a, a school, a local school, and a local law enforcement agency. So it could be your local high school and it could be your local police department or your sheriff's office. Mm -hmm. So they will approach us, that we'll set some dates, and we'll actually go to that community. We'll send two instructors, uh, more if we have more people, but usually there's uh, 20 folks in the class. They're predominantly law enforcement themselves uh, because they're the ones that already have access to the schools. We're just yeah. trying to give them more tools in their toolbox yeah. to be able to help those schools out. But we're there for five days, and we literally wow. go through with them talking about defining potential threats in the school environment. So we're not just talking about armed aggressors. We're talking about yeah. bullying. We're talking about the things that happen on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and then we, we get into the physical security components and, and how to strengthen that security posture. So you work with local law enforcement or state law enforcement, either one of those? Yeah, so anyone. So we tell you, if you have a direct responsibility for the safety and security of that school, mm -hmm. you're eligible to attend our training. So like okay. school resource officers. Absolutely. Uh, those are We get a lot of those in the classes. And then a lot of school districts now kind of have the, what I want to say their own security slash policing mm -hmm. force. Yeah, so what we tell folks is a lot of folks think, you know, it's the NRA, so it must be we want everybody armed. Yeah. <laughs> and we tell folks, you know, here's the here's the crux of the matter. No option should be off the table when it comes to protecting our kids. Mm -hmm. And that decision is best left with the local resources and the local community members. Absolutely. Amen. If we can help, 
let us know. We are here and we really are ready to help you all. You know, as, a, as a parent, I have two, actually three kids in, in school mm-hmm. uh, and my, my kids go to a private school and th- there was an issue a few months back uh, and it turned out to be just a huge misunderstanding that the school was very uh, responsive towards. Um, but as a parent, that kind of made me and my wife start to question, you know, what's going on? Like what type of, what type right. of security measures does the school, uh, does the school have? And right. is there anything that the, that this program offers that could help a parent kind of approach that topic yeah. with the, yeah, with the absolutely. And I think it's really important to talk about because a lot of folks don't think about their child's school security right. until something does happen Exactly, and it hits home. And, and that is human nature. Right. And mm-hmm. so when that happened, you're probably saying, well, gosh, if this was the real deal, yeah. how soon did we learn about it? Yeah. How, how were we informed? Was it a phone call? Was it an email? Was it a text message? Was it all of the above? Did you get a text message from your child before, you know, yeah. you even had an official communication from the school. And so these are really great questions, we actually came up with a handout for parents and folks who just want to go and be an advocate for more secure schools on our website, uh, nraschoolshield.org. And right there on that main page, there's a a printout and it has 10 questions that you can go and ask. So if you want to go to a PTA meeting Mm -hmm. or uh, just approach, make an appointment with the school administration and say, hey, I just have a few questions because I want to know better about what it is that we're doing. What if those questions are perceived as um, not not as like just for an educational mm-hmm. question a self-benefiting question for that for the question asker because yeah. there, there's that fine edge of the knife where you have lawyers on one side mm-hmm. and talking liabilities and then you have real common sense it, options and and sometimes we cut our nose off to spite our face for that mm-hmm. and then people get worked up like I'm challenging no I'm not challenging you mm-hmm. I want to have a discussion and an open debate can you guys facilitate that as well well I think it's a really good point and I do it's it is so important to bring that up because it is talking about security right, right. and so the administration the school they are going to be very protective of certain things and I think as parents and just concerned citizens you have to respect that this is a very serious matter and so when it comes to security if I were in one of those rooms having these conversations and I'm asking these questions, I can tell if the administration has thought about these questions, if they do have yeah. a plan in place. Uh, and, and really, that's what you want to know. Right. You also want to know what your role is in all of that. But in terms of, well, let me see the camera feeds, let me see all that right. type of stuff, that's There's, a little invasive. And so sure. you just have to be respectful in, sure. that, exactly. in that sense. Because they're also protecting the privacy when it comes to those camera yeah. things exactly. of yeah. other kids. I, but you can. There's a way to, to navigate right. and, and be re, a responsible citizen, and, right. and to and to ask that and to expect that out of your right, especially public I, institutions. I, I was fortunate, you know, after this minor incident at my kid's school, I went and spoke with the administration, and they did have a very comprehensive mm-hmm. uh, security program in place, and and we were actually very impressed. But uh, it, there's something more I think that the NRA offers that it would just be great for every school in the nation to take advantage of this. Right. It be, and then it's, it's standard nationwide. I think then that works in conjunction with law enforcement because they, we have, stand, since let's face it, since 9-11, we have made a lot of standardizations across the board. Sure. So mm-hmm. our, our law enforcement and our first responders can be all on the same page. Right. And, and, I, and, and using a national organization such as the NRA, I think is, is, is utmost 
of important right. because then everybody is hearing the same things. Yeah. Right. And that is, you know, from our members and our supporters, we have millions of folks out there that are saying we want to do something. And I think your point to standardizing this or at least setting some fundamental measures of protection that we all can agree upon, I think that's so critical. Uh, and working with law enforcement, one of the reasons that we chose to work with them is they are the protectors of our community. Mm-hmm. And they've been long the ones that we call when there's something happening and we need help. Uh, when the task force went out, they said, you know what? The schools aren't actually working with local law enforcement as much as we'd like them to be. And that was a wow. big challenge for us. So wow. we said, if we work with this training, we can start to facil- facilitate that important. And I'm going to, I need to go back and, and also point out, even though you're a national organization, you you said it earlier, mm-hmm. you do determine the security needs based upon the local community and mm-hmm. you talk to that the the experts of the community mm-hmm. right. are the are the citizens of right. that community. Right. So I'm no way am I saying that you're you're everybody's gonna be no, it's taking the standard approach mm-hmm. and using it in each community and growing it at the grassroots. Again, right. what the NRA does, grassroots up. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So how can parents, teachers, uh, school instructors, how can they learn more about this program? Yeah, so we welcome anybody to come check out our website. It's www.nraschoolshield.org. Okay. And we have a ton of information on there. We talk about the task force report and where our beginnings were. And then we have a page dedicated to our training. There's a ton of testimonials on there, video testimonials. Okay. Um, for folks that have gone through the training who have hosted the training uh, from very dif- different perspectives. So we've got law enforcement, we've got fire, we've got schools, uh, which is great because they all can share a little bit about how it helped them improve their own respective professions. Uh, we've got a grant program. Uh, in 2018, we actually awarded a little over 600000 wow. to wow. many, many different schools, wow. uh, over 50 schools in over 20 states, wow. which was amazing. Yeah. You know, So when you talk about yeah. folks saying, let's do something to protect our schools, yeah. Well, who else is doing something? You know, exactly. we actually are. Every, exactly. Every program director that we've talked with this week, Stevie, mm-hmm. with the NRA, has told us that how much they funds go back out to the community. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. Every program is 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 investing back into the communities yeah. where where the again grassroots right. it, it, where it comes from it goes back to. Communities couldn't do it without the NRA. Yeah. We've learned that here in this community when this show almost got bullied out of here. And NRA came in and, and helped us out. And uh, just like you are with helping out schools and right. school administration and local law enforcement, helping bridge that gap. Sheila, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, this is an issue that, uh, you know, is at the top of everyone's list. And thank you. Thank the NRA yes. for uh, actually doing something. Well, thank you you all and thank your listeners who are supporters because like you said, the NRA couldn't do it without the communities, to be honest. So it it really is a team effort. Thank you. We couldn't do it without you guys too. We appreciate you. NRAschoolshield.org Check it out. Thank you. Thank you you guys. Thank Thank you you. very much. Day 8. Of course, Stevie and I have to find ourselves We're right back, back in the fishing hall right back in the fishing hall where we met so many years ago we have four years ago who are we here with yeah. stevie <laughs> well tell us who we're, we're, we're here with none other than scott lennox what's up fishing hey, scott, what's yeah. up yeah good to see you guys yeah. again man yeah it's been uh it's been a long time since we've met. How about it? Yeah, you came to you came to this exact boo space four years ago now. You got the, yeah. you guys were just getting started. I was mm-hmm. just getting started. It was yeah. only our second year doing it. And you you come to Fish in Ocean City and you know, we kinda of started talking and 
hit things off. Yeah. And, uh, great yeah. relationship we got yeah. going with you guys. Yeah, we I'll appreciate say. what you do for us. I'll now say. we do karate in the garage. Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Scott, in your booth today, you also have yeah. Captain Chris Wachowski. Captain Chris Wachowski is one of our boats. He uh, runs the Spring Mix 2. Um, he's very, the, his owner, Paul Leveling, is very generous to us. They do some giveaways uh, nice. through the trade show season. They nice. take us fishing and do our TV show, Hooked on OC, down there during the summer. Yep. It was nice enough to take our kids fishing uh, two years ago. Really? Our first yellowfin. So, yeah, they do a great, great job Great kids for us. episode oh, wow. we did that day. Yeah. So, yep. I, I guess, to con- continue the theme, Captain Chris is family. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we have yeah we have an extended family for sure, just like you guys do. And so mm-hmm. any, any of the boats that participate with us, we're really close with them. We're friends with all of them. That comes first. So if there's any kind of business issues or problems, all that gets pushed to the wayside. And we still you know, appreciate everything they do. But these guys are kind of top of the list because of the stuff that they donate. They're do, doing a clothing giveaway here at the show for us. Nice. Um, wow. They'll take us fishing again and do the Hooked on OC show this summer. So it's it's a really great relationship. Been a good day. Been a good relationship. Yeah. So, Captain, you offshore fishing primarily? Yeah, primarily offshore, yellowfin, bluefin tuna, wow. white marlin, blue marlin, dolphin fishing. Last year, dolphin fishing was crazy good last really? year. Yeah, yeah. August, what was it about last good. year? Just different cycles. We had a little bit more warmer blue water come in. 2017, we didn't get any eddies that came in and changed the water up. Yeah. Last year, we had a lot of water changeover, and the fishing was phenomenal was at the end good. of the year. Oh, man. You're allowed 10 dolphin per person, and these guys were limiting out by 10, 11 o'clock in the Every morning. Every day. It was crazy. 60, 70 fish, yeah. It felt wow. bad after about the third week of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what, are How we many doing, did we kill? Are we doing <laughs> anything to this species, guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we call that catching, not fishing. Oh, yeah, it was it was definitely easy. Yeah. Fishing in a barrel was pretty good this year. How, how do you fish for those? Is that trolling? Uh, we'll troll a little bit, but uh, nine times out of ten, we'll pull up on like a lobster ball or weed line. Yeah. Back up into it, throw some squids, uh, throw some bonitas, bonita in there, and see if there's any dolphin around and catch 90% of them on spinning rods. Yeah. You know? No kidding. Whoa. Then we'll troll around, catch, you know, in the blue, catch them out. And if you keep one in the water, the rest of the school will come up, pull the spinning rods back out. Catch them right behind the back of the boat. They're very that stupid. Like fun. They're it very stupid they fish. Really? Yeah, but very they get stupid. smart very quick. Yes. You lose four or five of them, yeah. pull them off, break the hook. I mean, they, I don't then know they what scatter. they do. Yeah. The school figures it out pretty fast. We well, pulled can... up on one lobster ball last year, got up in the tower, and the mate's like, is there any fish in there? I'm like, they are everywhere. Yeah. We caught 48 of them off of one pot <laughs> in like an hour and a half. I mean, it was crazy fishing last year. Oh. That's called bailing dolphins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But you take it when you can get it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and then there's years where. Because 2017, the year before, it wasn't my worst year of fishing, but it was definitely the was hardest tough. fishing down there. Yeah. It was very hard fishing. Tunas were scattered throughout the you know the ocean for the summertime, so tuna fishing wasn't great. And then the mahi didn't show up like they were usually do in September. And then the weather in September was pretty awful, yeah. too, in 2017. So our white marlin yeah, bite yeah, was yeah. off as well. So it was kind of a tough season. Yeah. Last year was good. And, mm-hmm. and I guess the rain that we, all the rain we got didn't ha- you guys didn't get half of it, did you? No, but we still got a ton. Our mm-hmm. inshore fishing was off for okay. a month or so because it was. when I you're fishing in Ocean reports, yeah. <clears throat> read the report, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're fishing in the back bays of Ocean City, the runoff from the rivers and streams and everything can really affect the clarity of the water back there. And flounder fishing is the you know the top of the list for yeah. people to do. And when that water gets dirty, it gets tough to catch them. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't affect offshore fishing just because the ocean currents and everything, that cleans up right, right away. Right. Um, but inshore, close to the beach, and especially in the back bays, it can get really tough when there's a lot of rain. And last year there was a lot of rain. B- 
being a Midwest boy, I'm still learning this salt water stuff. <laughs> yeah. guys. Gotcha. And, and Stevie promised to teach me a little bit more this year about it. So I, I, I'm. You've done a little bit. It's fun, right? I, totally I, different. I, just a little. Just, I want more. Yeah, yeah. Than, than a you get a blue little off of a party bar. Understood. You know? Understood. Um, I, and I've always wanted, as growing up, to when we were in Hawaii, Dad, let's go fishing. My dad wasn't a hunter or a fisherman. Okay, and, and I've always mm-hmm. I had so many opportunities. Well, you're um, in the right spot oh, to make that happen. Jeez, yeah, look what? around you. Jeez, it is do a great. 360. You can go to Alaska <laughs> across the way here. You can go to North Carolina, a couple booths down. You can go to Alaska right next to us. Canada down the aisle. It's, wow. it's crazy yeah. the amount of opportunity you have oh, here. I've, I've caught a lot of big fish in the last 12 months, that's for sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. good deal. This kind of stuff gets us riled up for the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, really, you know. And it's it just does. around the corner now. Yeah, that's what this close. show represents. Hunting season's over with. Yep. Boat work starts and then goes right into the fishing season. Up until today, it's been really warm this week, so it gets, yeah. gets you kind of fired up. Captain, yeah. when do you start going out? When do you say, uh, it's it, it's worth getting people out? And- the boat will be in early in May this year, so if the tuna show up around Memorial Day like they did two years ago, we'll be ready to go. Um, we'll book trips as early as June um, and go tuna fishing, blue fishing. We'll do some sharks. So uh, once the fish show up, we're ready to roll. We're in about, about a month early for everything. Is that a water? T- you're waiting on water temperature. Or are you waiting on bait? Water to temperature, in? however, their migration pattern is for okay. the year. Yeah, you're looking for like 68 degree water for the yellow fins and the blue fins to show up. You get a warm core eddy come in offshore. As long as it comes in close enough that we can reach it, run 50, 60 miles. Ooh. I was just yeah. going to ask how many 50, miles you run. Miles. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's a normal <laughs> oh, run for us, 55 to 65 miles, a normal normal wow. run to the canyons for us. On average, and I know depending on conditions, but on average, how long does it take you to, you know, from a land lover, how long does it take you to motor out there? If I get my crew there at 5 o'clock and we're out of the inlet at 5.30 on a normal fishing day, we're fishing by 7.30, quarter of 8. Wow, lickety-split. So, yeah, 12-hour yeah, nice. trip, you're fishing 8-plus hours. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Tell, two tell us two about and a half hours. Uh, it's a 43 Alex Willis built down in uh, Harkers Island, North Carolina. Ooh. Express-style boats. Everybody's on one level. Yeah. Um, has does have a tower on it, so nice days. I'm in the tower spotting for blue marlins. The tuna's on top. Um, if it's even nice enough, you guys are, you know, I'd like to charter up in the tower with us a little yeah. bit, you know. Um, all the creature comforts, air conditioned, TV, you know, full head, everything. Yeah. 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 That's how nice I day. We uh, know what yeah. to do. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Nice day on the helm deck. You open up the curtains. Everybody's in there. And we got big enough benches. It's great, you know. Yeah. I've been on the boat for now. This is the second owner I've been with both owners on the boat. Wow. But We've very done a TV good. show on there a couple of times. It's a very comfortable boat. Mm-hmm. Even the kids on there. We had six kids and three adults probably. Oh, yeah. Not counting the crew. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very comfortable. It's a really wide boat. It's got a real real wide beam, beam on it. So yeah. it's comfortable that way. It's a great sea boat. So even if you get a little bit of chop, it handles that really well. Does it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. N- not too much worry about So someone like me, I get uh, seasick oh, fairly no. easily. Uh, if, I, no. if I pop a couple Dramamine, I should be you okay. You should be okay. We'll just have to kick you to wake you up from the Dramamine <laughs> yeah, and right. get you to go fish. You can reel your fish but you'll Steve. be oh, yeah. Yeah. Boning's yeah. the way to go. And take right. it the night before. Take it Definitely. the night before. Take one in the morning. You should be good. Yeah, uh, don't take it when you start feeling queasy because then you're late, late, you're, uh, you're done. You're going. You're going to So, Scott, what do you got going on this summer? Uh, this summer we'll be doing the same thing we've been doing, man. We're looking forward. We're starting to book some trips for the TV show, so yeah. we're getting in touch with guys like Chris. Uh, but we do everything down there, basically. We do party boat fishing, Captain Monty and Captain Chris and yeah. uh, Captain Victor on all the, the party boats for sea bass and flounder and that sort of thing. 
Um, the first thing we'll do is we'll go to Watch Creek. We love fishing in Watch Creek first part of the season because the flounder show up there earlier. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in May, we'll move back up to Ocean City. We start flounder fishing in, in the back bays of Ocean City, bluefish and stuff. And then when the offshore season starts, we try and concentrate on that, uh, go hit the tunas and sharks early on. And then tournament season starts yeah. late June, early July. We are super busy then. We yeah. do the um, the TV, through the TV show, we do the live broadcast for the White Marlin Open, uh-huh. uh, the Mid-Atlantic, the Big Fish Classic. So you can watch wow. all those tournaments online, yeah. and that's our production that we're doing. Yeah, nice. Very cool. Speaking of the White Marlin Classic, last year, wasn't there a record broken as far yeah. as entry? Like, it was something unbelievable. The entry, the entry wasn't, the entry as far as number of boats wasn't yeah. broken. They were It was high, but uh-huh. it wasn't broken. All-time high, I think, is four-something. Last year, they were 380-something. But wild. the purse was broken. The yeah. record purse record was broken. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they had $5.5 million in the tournament that's, last year. That's the number I remember. Yeah. That's right. And the first-place boat took home $2.6 million. He got a little bit over half of that. Mm-hmm. Good on him. Yeah, you got to put up thirty some grand to be in that yeah. category, but uh, <laughs> if you can afford it, you can really cash a big check. But yes. I bet the odds are better than the Mega Strike or Mega yeah, Lottery well, or whatever if you, you want to. Listen, there's only 387 boats to get right. into it, and then the the amount of boats to get into all the Calcuttas to be able to qualify for that two and a half million is less than that. So right, yeah, you're you're a one in maybe 300 shot of doing you, that. You should. Get a second mortgage and uh, we can get down. <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> listen. We, all were, in. we love people fishing tournaments. We don't recommend mortgaging yeah. the house <laughs> to do it. We could, Stevie will end up getting we my can numbers. We take the guy bass the tracker yeah. down there. Yeah, take the bass tracker out. <laughs> right. the eighteen foot. Yeah, Buck. What exactly would you like this line item for? I want to fish a tournament. No, she said. It's one week long. Oh jeez. It's a great event, though. Oh, oh yeah. I, I'm so excited to be able to get – that's yeah. something I want to see. I haven't seen any of this stuff before. Oh, you guys got to come down and visit, man. I, I am definitely oh, – it's on my immediate bucket list. If, to get if you can't experience. get there, you can watch it online, like I mentioned. But we do a production right there at the Scales at Harbor Island where we've got two 6 by 10 video panels right there at the scale so people can see things through uh, the lens uh-huh. um, right at ground zero. It's tough because the fish all come in dockside. And the crowd is on the other side. Right. So there's right. people in the way. There's all sorts of stuff where you can't see the fish getting hauled up. So we we alleviate that with the cameras and put it up on those big screens. It's really, mm-hmm. really awesome. That really, yeah. I bet, draws That's the crowd awesome. into the participation. It, it really does. Too. It really that does. That place is packed. Elbow to elbow. You can't walk through there in the summertime. Yeah, it's when the scales are busy, it is crazy in there. I. That's what I'm looking forward to. You'd have a good time. Just to, experience, yeah. just to go down there and see what that's all about and all like. Yeah, you'd have a good time. Mm-hmm. So, Captain Chris, how can people uh, get in touch with you guys if they want to book a book a trip? Uh, you contact me direct at uh, 443-783-1651 or like us on our Facebook page. And uh, Paul, the owner of the boat, he does 90% of my contacts yeah. for me. So I concentrate on the boat and the fishing, oh. and he can concentrate yeah, on my that. contact and charter information and keep everybody that way i'm not coming back in and doing t- phone calls at 10 o'clock right. at night he's yeah, yeah. he's right on keeping doing my business. contacts going and rocking and rolling for you just show up to the boat and fish yep that's, that's nice. it yep cool. scott how can people get a hold of you bud it's easy for us we're fishingoc.com uh, we don't have a phone number or anything just because we're trying to put you in touch with the guys like captain chris here so yeah. right we're the we're not a broker we don't do the booking or anything like that we get that question a lot but we are a marketing company that tries to get people to fishing oc that's where we came up with the name yeah exactly. uh, the website's fishingoc.com we do a bunch of social media stuff facebook is fishing oc instagram is i fishing oc and if you like either one of those social media outlets, we share our fishing report to the Facebook page every night we do it. So it just pops right up in your news 
newsfeed. There's no searching for it. Yep. You can just open up your Facebook app and bam, there it is in front and, of you. And mm -hmm. that, and I read that fishing report, and that is an awesome, awesome report. Like, I mean, much. you cover everything from fishing in the Chesapeake Bay to, yeah. you know, 50 miles offshore, you know, at Ocean City. You got it. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you got it. So I appreciate that. Any, that anytime out. somebody wants to send us something, with the, the benefit of the fishing report is we can put as much information in there as we want. Yeah. There's no limit to the pictures. There's no limit to the content. So we've got some pretty extensive fishing reports once you the sure season do. kicks in. You yep. sure do. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Absolutely, guys. Time, appreciate guys. what you do, appreciate man. You. Thanks for stopping thank by. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for having us. Good day, guys. All right, folks. We're back in the fishing hall with the Intimidator fishing charters. Back in the fishing hall? Back in the fishing. We never left. You, you, I don't I imagine you will all day. No. no sorry. No, no. I'm sorry. Who are we with now, We're Stevie? with Captain Rich and Gail from the Intimidator uh, fishing charters out of Rock Hall, Maryland. Oh. And, yeah. Close to home. Guess what they fish for? I can't imagine. You drug me over here, buddy. You've been talking nothing but stripers all week, so I can only imagine it's one of these big, bad stripers that they got hanging behind them. How's the show going for you, folks? Good. Is yep. it? Yep. Is it? So tell us a little bit about your uh, your guide service. Captain. Okay. Um, I, you know, we take people out fishing. I, that's my boat behind us here on the green picture here. Yeah. But uh, it's a 45-foot charter boat. Wow. Um, it's got plenty of room on it. Sure does. We take people out. We take them during the trophy season, and we troll them. That's normally the way to catch them. But our main bread and butter is people from up here in Pennsylvania like to bottom fish. Mm -hmm. They want to put that spinning rod in their hand. Most of them are not much on riding around watching the rod bend. They want to feel it and yeah. catch it themselves. So I can't we'll, argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> One me bit. Either, me either. <laughs> and we, uh, we mostly do cut bait bunker fishing, yeah. bottom fishing for them, and catch them that way, and seem to do pretty well. Yeah. We have good success with them. That's great. And uh, people have a great time with it. It's good with family. If you got your kids, grandkids, or whatever, it works out well. And so so from Harrisburg, how long of a drive is it to, to from, where you would uh, From right launch. here, it takes me two hours and 45 minutes. So it's a day trip. Yeah, Easy absolutely. day trip. Lancaster is two hours. Most yeah. of the time the guys come down, it's roughly two hours. Wow. Now, where is Rock Hall in the bay? We're right across the bay from Baltimore. Okay. Yeah, when we come out to harbor in the morning, we look right straight across where Sparrows Point used to be, yeah. the steel okay. mills. Yeah. 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 We're on the so. Upper Eastern Shore. Upper Eastern Shore. In Kent County. Cool. Cool. So the, the, the trophy season starts at mid-April, right? Third Saturday. It changes every year the yeah. date, but it's the third Saturday in April and it goes till May 15th. Okay. And May 16th it goes to the regular season, which is two fish per person. Mm -hmm. And they don't have to be 19 inches long to keep, but you're only allowed one over 28 per person. Okay. That's the way it's always been on that end. The, the lower end has changed from 18 to 20, and yeah. last year it went back to 19. It's 19 this yeah. year. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, wow. when, now when the you, trophy season's got to be 35 inches. Okay. Yeah. When you guys are trolling for these, can you tell me a little bit about your setup? Like, how many rods are you running when, when you're we trolling? We usually run between 17 and 20. So you're running planer boards? Yeah, planer okay. boards out and, and spread them out on them. That's always amazed me how. That's how many you, know, you take when you, go peer, when you go pier fishing. You take about that many yeah, rods. So. Yeah, but, but I'm, I don't have them all <laughs> in at the same time. It's always amazed me how, you know, one or two people on a boat can handle 17 to 20 rods. Yeah. I, I just... It's nuts. It's something to see, I'll tell you. I can imagine it's utter chaos, though, if you oh. get into some and it, they all start popping. 
that, or you get one and it helicopters into all the others. Oh. <laughs> that's that's fun too, but the other way. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll bet that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> that so, can put you out of business for a little while. <laughs> oh, but wow. so what's the average? Um, what's an average trip run? It's 480 for a half a day. Okay, that's, a for, that's good for up to six people. Okay, I'm licensed for a lot more. I can carry. I carry 15. I cut it off at that. That's, yeah. what, that's pretty much full boat trying to fish. I, I bet. Know. And um, but it's based on six people. Okay. Up, up one to six people, it's 480. Okay. And after that, seventh on, it's 80 dollars more a person for each one. But I can that's pretty great. much that's fill you. Yeah, take your party, whatever you got. Yeah. And that includes everything to fish. Okay. Everything. You don't have to bring your own rods. You don't have to bring bait. There's no fuel surcharge. That's the price. Wow, that's and the price. You don't Just, need a license to fish no, on no. the charter, right? Not, not on charter boat. Charter boat pays a fee at the beginning of the year to covers everybody yeah. that fishes on them. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a good deal. Yeah. That's all awesome. you need your food and drink. Just show up yeah. with a, something to eat, and, and you're good for the day. Yes. Yep. Wow. We leave at 6 a.m. Or we leave at yeah. Yeah. 1 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Five hour, up to a five-hour trip, depending upon the success of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Let's do it. I know. You're ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, He's pulling his phone out to check his calendar quick. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we appreciate you taking the time hey, to talk no, to us. Glad to thank do it. you. Yeah. Is there, uh, yeah. where, where can folks uh, get a hold of you guys to try to get one of these things booked? Okay. Because we only have a uh, couple hours, I think, left of the show. Tomorrow, yet, yeah. Yep. And it's tomorrow's the last day. Yeah. So yep. if they, they don't make it down here, where can they get a hold of you? They can email us, fishrockhall at gmail.com. Okay. They can call us. 410-639-7420. And we have a website. Okay. It's www.rockhallintimidatorfishing.com. Very nice. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Cap. Appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate no it. problem. Thank you. We are still in the fishing hall, folks. We never Surprise. Left. Surprise. We never left. I haven't left. <laughs> Who's that? That's Ryan, guys. That's Ryan. Hey, hey Ryan. What's going we, on? We are smack dab with our good friend Ryan. We met Ryan last year. Ryan's with Dry Case, um, where their motto is, we want to get you wet. We specialize in getting you wet. And they sure do. And we sure do. They I, sponsored our wet waiting season. They certainly they did. did. Yeah. And, and here comes the plug. I used it. All summer. Yep. We used mm-hmm. them all them mm-hmm. all summer. Yep. And I don't think we had one wet piece of clothing. Anything. Of anything. And I even took this on a whitewater rafting trip. Did you? And it definitely got soaked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything yeah. came out dry as a bone. Yep. Which is why we've had to think about maybe redoing that uh, tagline because... We do get you wet, but we don't get your stuff wet. Exactly. <laughs> then people say, hold on, who's getting wet? Exactly. I got wet, but everything in my dry case was dry. Yeah. And that, and it was raining on us at times, as well as uh, the river well, was you were white water up, rafting. Yeah. White up, too. Yep. And it, it, it was wet. Yep. And you can see we, we have changed some of it because now we're doing conquer any conditions. So it is any condition. Rain, sleet, snow, water. Sand, you know, we make the stuff at the beach, so we always keep, yeah. you know, beachgoers in mind. Yeah. So, so what size is uh, what size is this? That's a 35 liter uh, backpack. It's called the Masonboro backpack. It's named after uh, one of the barrier islands right off of the coast of Wilmington, North Carolina, Wrightsville Beach, where we're at. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. 35 liters on that bag. And that's the size of bag that I picked up last year. Yes. And uh, I'm telling you guys, I 
every Stevie, this probably wouldn't work for you, but for me, right. every piece of fishing gear that I own yeah. fits in that. Really? Yeah, all my tackle boxes and everything, I can just drop them right in. So when we did, um, we did the trip up to... Shad fishing? No, when we went Soda's to Point. Soda's, Soda's Point. Point. Okay. Um, this was on Uncle Catfish's boat with all my tackle boxes in. So when we actually started catching pike and everybody's diving in, going for their stuff, I was in my dry case digging through trying to find enough, <laughs> yeah. the right kind of lures for yeah. those pike. I mean, you could slide a few Planos in there easily. And oh, it'll yeah. Fit, oh, yeah. It'll fit everything. We have people that convert them into their tackle bags, just like you said, and they'll use them as strictly as tackle bags. Yeah, it was yeah. it was three Plano boxes on the bottom, two more stacked on top, and then filled the rest with my soft plastics. And there you go. So, I've so got it. I, I love that bag, Ryan. I have one in myself. But my eye keeps getting drawn to something new, I think. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, like. and Stevie, I think, is starting to take notice of that as well. I'm looking <laughs> at it. Stevie, what, what are you looking at, bud? Well, it looks like a blind bag. It almost, sure does. Right? There you go. Sure. A, a pretty big blind bag. That's, that's one of the many uses of it. Um, this was pretty much inspired by this show uh, for us for the last couple of years. Um, we've we've made what we're looking at is a duffel bag. So it is a 40 liter, 100% waterproof duffel bag that can be converted to a backpack strap, you know, bag as well. Um, can be a boat bag, can be a blind bag, and that's what people are buying it for here at the yeah. show. Yeah, it's funny because I, I have the blue one, and I use it for for everything. And I uh, we went uh, duck hunting this year. And uh, catfish yelled at me because I bought brought a blue bag onto uh, onto the boat, so I had to cover it up with a camouflage coat because you know the ducks are seeing something blue on a uh, on a duck boat. They're, they can spot that pretty quick. So I would not have had that problem with this. Yep. So that's brand new for this bag. show. So we've made this duffel bag, and you know we have another one we're looking at over here that's in blue. It's an 80-liter duffel bag. We've made that for years, and it's a, it's a boat bag. 80? It's a ditch bag. It's giant. And from this show, we, we're constantly hearing, well, I like this backpack, but I want a little bit more room, and yeah. I want something that's more like a duffel. And uh, so that's drawn us to, to come up with this one, which is the 40-liter uh, duffel bag. I could smuggle all my kids on the, <laughs> anywhere with that thing. Put them in it. With yeah. The yeah. I'd probably be lying if I said we haven't fit a couple people in there before. <laughs> they were alive. Yeah, they, were, they were alive. They were willingly they, they were alive. They willingly Wait, got in the back. It was demonstration. And they were purposes. willing participants. <laughs> so uh, no coworkers I, were, were harmed. harmed. None. I only see one problem with that that bag. I Ryan. think I know what it might be. There's only one row of shell holders. <laughs> yeah. That. Well, I, let me not, let me turn it around. Turn for it you. around. Oh, there we go. Now we got There's another row. row. So we got another row. Do you have optional uh, additional fourth and fifth row? <laughs> <laughs> no fourth and fifth row. You're looking at it. Two row, That's two row on that one. So you're, maybe, also not, uh, you're also not seeing the, um, the shoulder strap. So there is a front pocket, a smaller pocket, and that opens up. And inside of there right now, I'm storing the two shoulder straps. Okay. Nice. That are on clips and can be moved around. So uh, people listening to this podcast can't see me, but I'm not a very tall person. It's going to fit me differently hey, than it's going to fit buddy. Steve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to fit me differently than other people. And so with the uh, with the shoulder straps on clips, you're able to move that to all those different D-rings around the bag. Cool. So I think, Stevie, maybe next, yeah. next year we could see about working out an idea here for another version of the blind bag. 
and it'll be the R2 blind bag. There you go. Mm -hmm. And the whole outside will be covered with shell holes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, we listen, you know, we listen to the feedback, so yeah, that's what yeah. you guys want. Ryan, is there anything in 2019 that, that you don't have out here right now that you might give us a little peek behind the the curtain? Yeah, we've got some things in mind. Um, you know, uh, I can't let too much out of the bag, but um, just oh, I see what you did peek. there. We're give looking, <laughs> we're looking, uh, we're looking to get you know a little bit more into um, the gun industry and the firearm industry. Yeah. So we got some cases uh, for that we're thinking about. Cool, that's perfect. Um, Stay tuned, folks. Yeah, and, and they you, won't disappoint these people at Dry Case. <laughs> you, they you have never more than, cease to amaze me. You have more than bags for stuff down here you have cell phone covers you've got these waterproof uh, bluetooth speakers yep um, and yeah for anybody who didn't hear the show last year yeah about this what really intrigued us was that cell phone case, that's right, right? Yeah. we were doing a lot of wet waiting prior to the show and a lot of and all of a sudden we're walking down yep. the aisle there's a giant aquarium it's got live fish in it <laughs> it also has a working cell phone submerged yeah. in the water it inside does. one of these dry cases. And, and that that jumped out at us last mm -hmm. year. Like, whoa, whoa. Correct me if I'm wrong. We did not lose a single cell phone You know what? In the we last did not. year. 2018 was a Every single cell phone lost. per person. Look yeah. at that. And we R2 Pursuits has dry case to yeah. think solely. You guys uh, took that responsibility on your shoulders solely. That's right. And you all delivered. It's yeah. a tough spot. I mean, people take their phones very seriously. They're not cheap anymore, so it is big responsibility. But, uh, you know, we vacuum seal them. Uh, every time you use the case, you can vacuum seal it. So I always tell people, let it sit there for a few minutes. If it's holding a vacuum seal, it's just impossible for water to get in. Yeah. Right. You know, if, if it wasn't holding a seal, if it wasn't airtight after a few minutes, you would know that something was wrong with it. So there's no reason for uh, your phone to ever get wet in that vacuum Perfect. seal. I don't know which one I used more, the phone case or my dry case, the actual. I used them in tandem most of the time. Same here. And the other thing is, I mean, I've used a couple other versions of waterproof um, phone cases mm -hmm. while we were doing a lot of our fishing and it seemed like every time I'm taking my phone out of that case so I could get a good picture where these things are actually um, yeah. you know when you are with vacuum sealing them like that right I there, can't tell that it's in a case now you can the, the pictures are gonna come out just as clear as you keep that phone case as long as you keep it nice and clean and clear um, there's no air in there. There's no space with other cases. If there's air in between your case and your camera, you get there's going to be some distortion, some glare. Yeah. So um, I know this is going out. <clears throat> Today will be Sunday when, when people are listening uh -huh. to this. So if they can't get down to the down to here to the show, yeah. how all year long, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, we're on drycase.com. We're on all your social media at drycase, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you know, go to your local tackle shop, go to your lo local outfitters, uh, ask for dry case. If we're not in there, they'll be able to find us. But, uh, you know, we're in stores in all 50 states, uh, 12 countries now. And, um, wow. you know, we've got a, a good amount of exposure and sure. always drycase.com as well. Sure. Perfect. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, thanks, yeah, Ryan. I appreciate thank you guys. Time, hey, thanks. Thank you guys for everything because we love you guys as well. We follow you, and these guys have been working hard. So thank you. Well, well-deserved break for these guys coming up. We are <laughs> now. We are ready to go back to work for you <laughs> yeah, and get right. back into that river with these dry cases. It's right around the corner. Yeah, awesome, man. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks, buddy. All right. See you, bud. Cheers. And.
And I finally got Stevie out of the fishing hall, guys. How about uh, it? Yeah. Uh, only because it was lunchtime. Yes, and and because of lunch, Stevie, thank you for being hungry. We are getting the chance to sit down with Miss Alana Barracks. Hello. Of the Semi-Armed Life podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Great to How have you. How crazy was that running into her here? I bet you any, <laughs> that this is the whole reason why you probably aren't at the fishing hall right now. It's because you get to talk with. Oh well, yeah, with a fellow podcaster. I mean, yeah. my whole reason for Second being Amendment at lover. the Great American Outdoor Show is just so that I could see Rutten River Pursuits podcast guys. So. I can't. Oh, you it. stop it! Wow, <laughs> stop it! Don't inflate our wow. egos. Was it was it Thursday when Kyle get this tear out of my eyes? You were walking here. in and we Thank ran you. into each other. It was uh, just yesterday. Was Friday. that just yesterday? Yeah, I oh know. It's a long show. <laughs> Holy cow. And, the yeah. days blend together. I was walking in. Alana was walking. Uncle Bob. Ah! <laughs> it was. It was. It was a mint. It was a hallmark moment. Yeah. You know, Bucky. I think you might be onto something. I think she lurks in the shadows and waits for us to get into the building. Because I had a similar yep. experience yesterday when I got <laughs> yeah, here. Really? You did actually. I, I'm rounding a corner. I was like. Oh my! Hello. I'm going to start looking for the security cams yeah. uh, uh, behind these oh curtains. Here my soon. head, I see it being like a slow motion. It is kind of you know bounding, <laughs> you know, juking magical. and weaving around slow people. There are doves flying in the background. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah and then a big warm embrace. Yeah. That's actually exactly how it goes down every time. Love it. Every time. No, I, 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 it's really good to see you again, and we. We officially have history now. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We've been friends for a year. So long. Yeah. It's been second annual meeting. (laughs) So, since last year, you Mm -hmm. and uh, a very close friend of yours, Mr. (laughs) Semi Arms, have started a podcast, right? Yes. Yeah. How's that going? It's going very well. Mm -hmm. Um, We have 11 episodes so far, Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it's a lot of fun. I mean, really, uh, one of the reasons that we started it was actually um, just to help our friends and family get a little bit more information about the Second Amendment and firearms in general, um, kind of as a guide. And like, we wanted to put all the information that we knew into like one spot for them. Um, And our goal was really to arm more people, (laughs) Uh, as crazy as that sounds. Um, My lady. And (laughs) my uh, my brother and sister-in-law actually just became first-time gun owners. So we feel like the podcast is a success. Yeah. Wow. What'd they buy? They actually bought my first ever AR-15 that I built. What? Yeah. So I sold that to them. (laughs) That's That's quite a first firearm. I know. I'm so proud of them. I mean, they live in Texas, so, you know, you got to do everything big. And so AR-15, first step. There we go. (laughs) And then backing up to, you know, the podcast, Mm -hmm. you know, starting that podcast. And I think... Really, was it the outdoor show whenever you saw these weird group of guys <laughs> coming in and out of the press weird hall? Weird like, an understatement. Yeah. You're like, I can, I, we can do that. I was like, yeah, I mean, if Uncle Buck can be a famous podcaster, <laughs> yeah. surely I can do it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. but, Alana, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in there a while. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That. No offense to blind squirrels yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to offend any <laughs> squirrels out there, especially of all the blind ones. Um, <laughs> We have We're a very big politically correct animal. when it comes to squirrels. They have a hard enough life to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> but they do find nuts, thank God. Yeah. Um, anyway, 
just joking. <laughs> but seriously, Al, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, like, how did it get started? Yeah, no, we're, we're, yeah. we're just, I just want to say, again, mm-hmm. uh, we're proud of you. Thanks. You know, welcome to <laughs> oh. the community, the podcast. It's a big it. commitment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it is, is, yeah. And um, the interesting thing has just been, I guess, to see, like, what people expect of us yeah. with having a podcast. It was, like, the, what, the end of summer, roughly beginning of mm-hmm. fall? Yeah, it was um, It was actually shortly after the March for Our Lives uh, march yeah. um, that those kids did from uh, Parkland and everything. Um, there's just a lot of people had a lot of questions and there was a lot of misinformation about firearms out there. And I just was really passionate about it. (laughs) So I was like, all right, that's it. We're getting into content creation. Got to do it. So you you guys do all your own recording, all your Mm -hmm. editing, all everything. Yes, sir. uh, Yep. One stop shop. Yep. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I like it. That's awesome. (laughs) You don't have a guest on your podcast. Right. No, we, we just talk. <laughs> we don't do guests yet. <laughs> and, and, and have you found difficulty talking and just keeping that going? I just, I'm interested because mm-hmm. we have a guest and then we have a show without a guest, but mm-hmm. it's more than but, just two people, yeah. though, too. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what it just completely blows. The classic mm-hmm. tete-a-tete. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, it kind of depends. So, uh, luckily, you know, it's, it's helpful that I'm super in love with my co-host. Uh, he is my fiance. Me so. too. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you were. I love my co-host, but not quite like you love your right? co-host. <laughs> Let's hope not. Um, but, uh, yeah. This so. is the first I'm hearing of this buck. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we really have a good time together. Yeah, um, you do. And you we sure have do. very different interests in firearms because I'm very into policy and politics. And he's much more of, like, a gear and technical kind of guy. Yeah. He has um, a really strong background in firearms history. Um, so we just kind of, like, play to each other's strengths. And That's cool. each um, episode we choose, you know, maybe, like, five or six topics to go over. And normally it's, like, a solid mix of, like, a few that I want to talk about and a few that he wants to talk about. And we just You compliment each off. other. Yeah, it works out. How much planning <laughs> does that take for you? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of depends with each episode. So uh, we actually recently started a uh, an AK-47 specific segment. That's um, cool. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what we're really into. Yeah. And um, particularly my co-host, is he's like an AK guy, like the AK guy, you know. Wow. Um, and uh, so he... he didn't really have to do any preparation for that entire episode. And it was like an hour long and he just was able to talk and talk and talk about the couple of topics that we chose. Whereas I, on the other hand, I love AKs and I I have a great time shooting them. They're like my favorite firearm, but I don't know the technical, you know, specs that go into it and everything. So it took me probably like five or six hours of research before I felt comfortable um, talking about it. But and I went into it with, you know, maybe two or three pages of notes. He went into it with, like, just the topics written down. Did, did you grow up as a, around guns as a Second Amendment supporter? Or is this kind of, like, mm-hmm. new to you as an adult? Yeah. Uh, so I did not grow up with it at all. Uh, my mom's actually Canadian, so bless her heart. She oh, yeah. God love her. Super, yeah. I know, eh? You know what they uh, say. <laughs> well, hopefully you know. Yeah. So my, yeah. my parents... Uh, there was a didn't traditional <laughs> Canadian saying. It would be that. It would be that. So my mom has, um, she's always been very anti-gun. My dad just 
didn't really know anything about guns or anything. Um, so in college, uh, right after Sandy Hook happened, mm -hmm. I was a political science major and the SAFE Act passed and it was like the worst piece of gun control legislation pretty much in the history of the world. Um, and it was all over the news and I didn't understand anything about it. Like all these people were freaking out about guns and yeah. I was like, is that even an issue? Like, do people actually own guns? <laughs> like, I didn't know anybody that owned guns. Mm -hmm. um, so I started doing a lot of research and realized that people who didn't know anything about firearms were writing firearms policy, and it didn't make any sense whatsoever. So wow. I just fell down that rabbit hole. Um, That's cool. And then within a year, I got my uh, range safety officer certification um, because I wanted to... Within, wait, back up. Yeah. So, so you have zero, essentially, mm -hmm. gun exposure. Yeah. One day you say, I'm going to start you know, mm -hmm. learning about guns, and a year later, mm -hmm. you're a range guide. Yeah. <laughs> so I went from wow. like not even knowing the difference between a shotgun and a rifle to teaching people firearm safety. That's Yeah, impressive. so That's... I really hit the gas pedal with yeah. that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nice. Pulled the trigger, so to say. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, it was just something that, I don't know, it, it, like once I realized that there was so much misinformation mm -hmm. out there and so many people being taught really unsafe practices about firearms and, and, you know, people treating it like you should, you know, if you see a gun, like you need to just run away and, and never learn about it and, and yeah. just forget about it. You know, like people were really trying to kind of like, get rid of firearms knowledge. Like, they don't want you to actually know the four rules of firearm safety. They don't want you to know how to handle a firearm properly. Um, so it just felt like I really needed to learn that and yeah. teach more people how to do That's it. That's cool. So, and that was something that I learned, like, right off the bat um, because when I started, uh, you know, learning more about firearms, I actually hosted a basic firearm safety course on my college campus. Yeah. And people were protesting it and, and saying, I actually had uh, the campus police called on me and what? somebody reported that I was like an active shooter. Um, and wow. luckily wow. I had a good relationship with the campus police so My they didn't, goodness. you know, come in guns a blazing yeah, or anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, people were so furious and all I was doing was hosting a firearm yeah. safety course where it literally just taught people like, you know, the four rules of firearm safety yeah. and, and really basic things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and actually we, we later, or I later hosted a, uh, an active shooter course as well so that you knew what to do in yeah. a situation. And students were protesting me for that as well. And I was like, literally, I'm sense. trying to help people. Yeah. Yeah. Quit helping us <laughs> do something in case yeah. something bad happens. Yeah, it was just crazy to, to really see. I mean, and that just kind of like, you know, uh, fed my passion for it because sure. I realized that people really wanted to like suppress that knowledge. What yep. state was that? Just New York. Okay. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, the People's Republic of New York. Well, oh. and, and you know, on behalf of everybody who does not live in the city, <laughs> New York is overall a, a pretty big hunting community mm -hmm. once you get out of the city. I, I, yeah. I want to say yeah. that. For, mm -hmm. You know, there there's oh, some, the state's yeah. great. Their regulations. And I, I want to say yeah. that I, I, I do because I've met a lot of very good people from New York who are mm -hmm. avid yeah. Second Amendment, yeah. and they're not. Yeah. They're not. They're not 
uneducated about it. Either. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a great community up there. So I I was at school in Buffalo, New York, and um, I right away I started joining like Second Amendment rights groups up there. Um, and I, I did. Uh, the funny thing was that going to gun shows in New York was just the most incredible experience as like a, a beginner in the firearms community mm-hmm. because everybody there it's like they had to come out of hiding yeah. <laughs> to go there you know what i mean yeah. so like uh i i couldn't really be <clears throat> like just actively pro gun in my day-to-day life uh like because people like i got spit on, on yeah, i was campus. gonna cause that's drama for you yes yeah. yeah i don't that's crazy that's crazy <laughs> yeah it doesn't make sense like mm-hmm. i you know, it doesn't, but it does up, to me. Growing up, going to school in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. like that would have never crossed my mind. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what the rules are for firearms on campuses. So I won't be the first to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but it, it did. It would have never. Mm-hmm. Like, rural Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, well, and I actually I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania. You did. Yeah. Oh, and um, but like I said, it's you know, there. neither of my parents. It <laughs> is. Yeah. It's cold in Buffalo too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, but since neither of my parents were into guns or anything, um, I didn't realize until after I left Pennsylvania and and got into guns that a bunch of my neighbors had guns and they had like <laughs> gun cases like sitting out that I just never noticed because. Yeah. It wasn't something wasn't that some people thing. cared about, you know. But in New York, if you have a gun sitting out in your house, people are going to call the cops on you. Wow. It's crazy. Wow. No. And then I moved to Virginia, and I'm <laughs> so much happier there. <laughs> I and I have all the guns I want. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Atlanta, with uh, all this misinformation out there, mm-hmm. how has your podcast been received by the overall general mm-hmm. public? Um, I think so far it's been it's been really incredible um, to get feedback from people who really don't know that much about firearms. Um, I know particularly uh, my soon-to-be mother-in-law uh, actually loves our podcast because she lives in California, okay. which again very Lesser anti-gun hard. state. Yeah. You know? A lot of regulation. Yeah, um, and now she does live in a more conservative part of the state, so a lot of people that she you know is friends with, they're all uh, pro-gun and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know it's been really helpful for her learning. Um, we know yeah. the other five people in California who are pro gun. <laughs> yeah. so we can help your mom out. Just Perfect. To, just to let you know. <laughs> They've been on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I've I've had a lot of people say that you know it's helped them learn a lot, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's also nice too that um, since we do kind of go back and forth between like politics and history and things like that a lot of people who are even very very experienced with firearms are learning a lot yeah. um so for example in one of our episodes we did a really really deep dive into the very interesting history of the atf um you know and really? yeah and i mean they're the regulating body of on firearms you yeah. know in the federal government and they're the people that are going to kick down your door or something. But uh, they actually started as uh, part of the IRS. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and taxation. I'm yep. not a big fan of that either. But I heard that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just been really interesting, yeah. um, you know, being able to provide history lessons yeah. to people as well, even if they're very experienced. I, I have to say that, that mm-hmm. that's something that we, we shy away from. Mm-hmm. You know, Uber facts and things mm-hmm. like that that you have to be accurate on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we draw from a lot of life experience and, yeah. and things like that on yeah. our podcast. Mm-hmm. So um, the politics and mm-hmm. things like that, you guys are, 
you guys go head into that head first. So, and yeah. I really do appreciate that. I just. Oh, thank you. I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's intelligently. Like, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. we wouldn't and be choose to do above that, board so. with the, mm-hmm. with our facts. Yeah, because yeah. Well, there's and a lot. we have had to start a few episodes every now and then by saying like, "Hey guys, you know, we uh, misstated this in our yeah. last episode, so we want to correct it." Um, well, good on mm-hmm. you guys for doing that. First oh, of all, that's you. a that's we a refreshing need, like, thing a in journalism. <laughs> segment at the start of every program. <laughs> <laughs> like clear up, yeah. Or, yeah. or pay some lawyer to give us an ironclad disclosure. Oh at the <laughs> it would be 15 minutes long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, maybe we could hire someone to mm-hmm. to fact check us. We'll get our right. guy, yeah. <laughs> compliance guy. You know? But no, I mean, I mm-hmm. just appreciate that and, and doing the research that it takes to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. I just I, I want to recognize that. I, I got to ask you. Yeah. Um, what? Is the likelihood, in your opinion, of there ever being a national concealed carry reciprocity program? Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) When is the Second Amendment going to mean the Second Amendment? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to say because the the Are we as close now as we could Mm -hmm. ever be? Because I keep hearing you hear that it's, you know, that some, Mm -hmm. it's in Congress somewhere and somebody's just waiting to... So Push a button on it right or. now, the really frustrating thing is, I mean, really, with the first two years of Trump's presidency, we're our best hope. Yeah. Um, and now that the Democrats have taken control of the House and they're already working on passing anti-gun bills, there's absolutely no shot of getting anything through the House at this point. Yeah. Um, and what's really frustrating, though, is uh, just recently a new version of the like National Concealed Carry Reciprocity Bill got introduced, and it is extremely watered down. And essentially, you still wouldn't really be able to carry in all 50 mm. states uh, because part of it basically still enforces whatever state laws are on the books. And, you know, like my firearms aren't going to be compliant in New York state or California or Massachusetts because they have so many additional regulations that like, I wouldn't be able to comply with those state laws. So I I live just a few miles from the Maryland border and and I'm fine in Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that, but I mean, you Mm -hmm. could air mail your firearm and, Mm-hmm. And if you don't send it left because and you send it right and then the ammo wasn't stacked <laughs> shiny thing don't pointy thing first facts you know, on, but, but, you, but you know what I'm, they've <laughs> written it so convoluted yeah. where mm-hmm. nobody is going to be able to legally navigate that hoop mm-hmm. well and I mean I almost didn't want to come up here to the Great American Outdoor Show because your lovely governor Mr. Tom Wolf uh, got rid of, of reciprocity, reciprocity with, with Virginia Yeah. so my concealed carry permit is no longer valid in Pennsylvania so well, oh. we're sorry on behalf of yeah. Mr. It's Wolf. Okay. Yeah, we, I'll get over I, it. I know. <laughs> Someday. I know I tried to make a difference for you yeah. in that. but I appreciate um, that. Well, I wrote a letter. Good for you. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. You start somewhere. If, if people want to listen to your podcast mm-hmm. or follow you on social media, what's the mm-hmm. best way to, to do that? Yeah, sure. So uh, the podcast is The Semi-Armed Life, and we are available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, and we're also on Instagram, just at Semi-Armed Life. 
And then my Instagram page where you can just look at a lot of AK-47s and Glocks is um, <laughs> at Mrs.SemiArmed. Cool. So, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for taking some time with of us. Of course. Thank, thank you guys so much for yeah. having me. Yeah. Thanks for what you're doing, uh, getting information out there that, yeah, absolutely. that we all believe in. So. Thanks for yeah, keeping me could. entertained with all the coolest hunting and fishing stories. Stop. Our <laughs> pleasure. We do our, we do our best. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Have a good show. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Alana. Thanks, everybody. Where are you? Where are you?